pretty good, right? It went pretty well. We didn't stumble around, so that's the, that's the big thing. Thank you for being patient and trying it. So I'm going to read our scripture reading for today. We're again in uh, Numbers chapter 11. Uh, if you are interested in being a scripture reader or serving in the booth or being an usher, August is uh, literally wide open. There is nobody signed up for anything. So if you don't like hearing me talk throughout the entire service, sign up to be a scripture reader. That would be a good job for you, and you can uh, work towards that vision that you have of hearing me less often. <laughs> uh, today's text specifically is from Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through... 25. Sorry, 23. Hear the word of the Lord. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me 70 of the leaders of Israel, the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place there with you. I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you, so that you will not bear it all by yourself. And say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for tomorrow, and you shall have, you shall eat meat. For you have wailed in the hearing of the Lord, saying, if only we had meat to eat. Surely it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not only one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but for a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome for you, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you, and have wailed before Him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, The people people I am with with number 600,000 on foot, and you say, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Are there enough flocks and herds to slaughter for them? Are there enough fish in the sea to catch for them? The Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's power limited? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. Amen. The questions of why are the hardest questions, aren't they? The thing that comes most to mind for me and and being a pastor and living this life of faith with you is the questions of why bad things happen to people. Oftentimes, that's the first thing we ask when we see things or when something happens to us is, why did this happen? Why? Why? But also, the question of why is the most important for all the rest of our life. (laughs) Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we choose the things that we choose? Why do we invest our time and energy in our life in the specific way that we do? Why do we do that? We don't really think through those things as much, do we? (laughs) We're forced to think through our reasons why we do things when we're experiencing pain, but oftentimes we... We just kind of neglect the questions of why in all the other areas of our life. But they're just as important. 
It's easier, friends, to focus on the how and the what of our life, what we're doing, what we want to do, how to accomplish those goals, not necessarily what motivates us, what's the big picture for our life. We've got a, I've got a slide to show you to help you understand this concept, if Andy can flip it. This is from author, oh, is it not working? Darn it. The technology. <laughs> You know, and I was going to have like a whiteboard and just do it on the whiteboard. Next time, that's what I'm doing. You just can't, you just can't trust the technology. It's really simple. It's really simple. So I'll just explain it to you. Uh, this picture ha- is a bullseye, like for archery or, or for darts. And in the very middle of the bullseye is the why. The top priority of your life. The big picture of why you're making the choices that you're making and why you do the things that you do. What's most important to you? Another way of saying that is your, your highest values, which is something we've been talking about for the last several weeks, is what's your highest value in life, like family or uh, faith or being successful or having comfort. Our choices in life reveal those reasons why our highest value, that's the how and the what that kind of flow out from the why that's in the center. Now, when, our, when we focus on the how and the what, and everything's going well, we don't have to really think about it. Those are, are, are uh, more significant times, and, and we just have breakthroughs, and we're, we're feeling the momentum and the progress. But when things stall out, as I said earlier, we ask, why is this not working? Why is this happening to me? Uh, what do I need to do different? We experience despair, or we might have differences in our whys that are differences in values, and so we argue with one another, which is what we're seeing in the world today. We argue and we, we, we can't find clarity. We might not even speak our values. So then we operate by all sorts of different whys, all sorts of different highest priorities. But it's important that we reveal our values so that we can see where we're different. Finding the difference in our values helps us to identify what is the big picture of what we're about Why are we doing the things that we're doing? What's most important? And in the church, if we don't do this, it's what we've been talking about the last several times I've preached to you. In the church, if we don't identify the why, the most important thing of our life, the big picture of why we're here as a church, at worst, at best, we're going to be stagnant. We're going to be stalled out. And at worst, we'll close. We won't make it. Which is why I was so excited to show to you this Simon Sinek graphic is because he says that the most uh, powerful leaders, the most influential leaders start with their reason why and let all of their actions and choices flow out from there. That's been my priority as your pastor and that's what I'm leading us through. That's what our ad council is doing is trying to identify what's the most important thing and letting all the little day-to-day things that we're most used to looking at, letting all of those things flow out from the reason why. And the reason for us as a church that our ad council has identified is Jesus. Building community by following Jesus. That's our mission statement. You've seen it in the newsletter. Building community by following Jesus. Now if we start with that reason why, then we can identify all the different things of what we want to do to achieve that purpose, and how we're going to do it. But churches most often start with the what we want to do 
and that's informed by what we've done in the past or what I like versus what you like. And again, we get stuck. I know that you know this is true. You might be even saying, well, that's not what I want to do, Pastor Chad, and my point exactly. (laughs) If we're not focusing on the why, the big picture, it's easy to disagree, and we go nowhere as a church, but also as a people, as individuals. The most powerful thing that you can do in your life is to identify what makes me tick. What's most important to me in my life? What if at the end of my life I don't do, what am I going to regret? You're probably not going to regret uh, doing more things around your house if you don't do enough of that. You're not going to regret the fun things that you might want to do not going to a certain restaurant or something like that. You're not going to regret all those hows and whats. But you might regret the why. I don't think there's any person that's ever lived and claimed to be a follower of Jesus that would get to the end of their life and say, you know, I really wish I would have done less of that. (laughs) I really wish I would have followed Jesus less. I wish I would have opened my heart to him less. I I really received way too much grace for what I was looking for in this life. I don't think anybody would regret that big picture. The Israelites clearly lost sight of the big picture. We read this uh, text a couple weeks ago of they're wandering through the desert and Moses is getting overwhelmed. He's He's the great leader that everybody wants, that everybody's hoping for. But he's feeling overwhelmed because the people are asking for specifics that he's not able to give. They want a what. They're not necessarily operating by the why. And so Moses, in his overwhelm, turns to the Lord and says, Lord, I would rather be dead. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so burdened by this, uh, what, what the people are asking of me, that I would rather be dead. Why did you ever do this to me? And so God intervenes. And he says, I'm going to meet with you, Moses, and I'm going to put the same spirit that's on you. I'm going to put it on 70 of the elders. I'm going to equip other people to be able to see my purposes and to be able to live with my power is basically what God tells Moses. And in this text, we pick up where God says, not only that, the Israelites are going to get what they're asking for. They're going to get meat. Oh, they're going to get meat. It's going to go well beyond what they even imagine is possible. And Moses, in this moment, says, Is it actually possible, Lord? Can you give enough meat for 600,000 people? And uh, the Lord says, uh, Is the Lord's power limited? Now you're going to see what the Lord can do. It's interesting to see... uh, what's happening with the people. Because I asked the question, why does God just not answer, why does God answer the prayer at all for these people? Why does He just not say no for the meat? Why doesn't He just say, you know, I'm tired of your asking. I'm tired of um, your complaining. So no, you're just not going to get the meat. But instead, God goes a step further and says, you're going to have meat until it's loathsome for you. It's going to come out of your ears and your nostrils, and later that's exactly what happened, and the plague breaks out. So this is an important part in the text of saying, well, is God really loving? Is God really uh, there for His people? 
Is he punishing them? Deep questions that oftentimes we just neglect and maybe we say, I don't want to read the Old Testament because that's pretty hard and I don't like that stuff. Well, I don't like it either. (laughs) But if we don't understand the Old Testament, we don't necessarily get a full picture of who God is. What makes God upset or disappointed? And if we don't understand those things, it's hard for us to understand the good news of Jesus. So it's important for us to clarify right now that God hates sin. He does. He hates sin. It's the opposite of who He is. God is perfect and holy, and so He sees the sin in humans, and He hates sin. But not the specific sin that we think and that we really latch onto to say God hates specific sins, and that person's sin is worse than this sin, definitely worse than my sin. What bothers God the most, in fact, what He punishes in the Old Testament is unfaithfulness. Forgetting what God has done in the past. Forgetting what God is capable of. Forgetting the ways that God has provided for His people. That's unfaithfulness. And that's what God uh, despises. That's what we see in the text. Jesus, or God says, because you have rejected the Lord, this will happen. Despite all that the Lord had done, despite the big picture, the plagues that had happened in Egypt, the Red Sea being part of the providence that God had shown them along the way, they were still, the people were still unfaithful. They were more concerned about the comfort that they wanted and less concerned about the journey with God. God is most disappointed by our unfaithfulness. And God does hate sin, but still, God in His love and and grace towards us has done something to enable us to be faithful, to respond in faithfulness. And that's what we see in the person of Jesus. In the book of Isaiah, yet again, another Old Testament text, we read, "...but He, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities upon Him." Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All we sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus has dealt with our unfaithfulness. Jesus has been faithful in the area that we are not able to be faithful. Jesus has paid the price for our sin once for all. And at our baptism, we're celebrating being washed clean. And we're responding to what God has done and will do. We respond, friends, in faithfulness. And saying, yes, Lord, I believe that You are the God who You say You are. I believe that you are good. I believe that you will uh, continue to provide for me. I believe that you'll give me the power to turn away from my sin. And that's exactly what we see when God anoints the 70 elders with the Holy Spirit who helps uh, Moses and those elders to see God's purposes and live by God's strength in life. And that's exactly the text that we read in John chapter 14. When Jesus says, I have said these things to you while I'm still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. 
Peace I leave with you, and peace, my peace, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. The Holy Spirit that Jesus imparts to us is what helps us to see God's purposes, to see God's will for our life, and actually gives us the strength to live that life out, to respond to our life in faithfulness. Now that's a reason why to see the love that Jesus has for us and to respond by following Jesus in all of our life. And that's what we talk about all the time. Growing in faith, small group, reading Scripture, going to walk to Emmaus retreat, all ways that we can respond to the grace that God has shown us, to respond to God's faithfulness with our faithfulness. Now that's a why. That's a big picture for a church, and that's exactly in line with what we've established as the, as the big reason why for our church. I'll give you a practical example of why this is important. Of why the why of following Jesus as individuals and as a community is important. So, one of the ways that I've committed to you as your pastor of, of leading you and, and is providing opportunities for you to grow in faith. And this summer we started an Alpha group, which Alpha just means the beginning. It's, Jesus says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And within this small group, we talk about all these different uh, aspects of faith, many of which uh, we're discovering just amazing truths that we hadn't seen before that were new and, and refreshing to us. And I was so excited to see that people who have been a part of this church for their entire life are in that small group, and we're discovering new things about Jesus together within that context. And so the other day, we're, we're meeting there and sitting, discussing the video that we watched that was all about the journey of faith. We talked about how challenging it is for young families to come here and, and attend on Sundays because of all the different reasons why. <laughs> and oftentimes, churches get stuck on blaming other people. Why are they doing that? All the what's and the how's. Well, why don't, they stop having, uh, why don't they stop having sports on Sundays? Why don't they stop traveling as much? All those different reasons why. All those different things. But we were able to identify uh, within the group the importance of just being able to follow Jesus. And we shared the idea of having a Wednesday night ministry. And two people who have been in this church for a long time said, go for it. Establish that how and that what. Work towards that purpose. Enable people to grow. In faith. And so what I want to point out to you is that they were able to see the vision that God had given me and the other leaders. It was their willingness to respond in faith by being in the small group in the first place that they were able then to be a part of and actually empower the rest of the church to move forward with something that is really important this time. Their willingness to open their heart to Jesus in that moment, in that space, is what created an opportunity and is bringing about the future that this church needs. I can't, I can't understate the importance of that moment enough. Because oftentimes we say, well, uh, that's not how I want it. That's not what I'm used to. That's not what I want to see. And if that's our posture, if we're always focused on the how and the what, we're never going to be able to have the same why. We're never going to be able to follow Jesus together. And why, the reason why Jesus 
is what really inspires people. What we see in this text and in our church is that God's power, God's power is not limited by any part of Him. But God's power is limited most by our willingness to place Jesus as the most important value in our life. Moses asked, is the Lord's power limited? Is it limited? You tell me. I've seen God's power working in all of you as you respond in faith, as you attend small group, as you try new things, as you're open to new ideas. I've seen God's power working in you. And you and I both know that we can limit God's power by our willingness to step forward and see what God would do. Is the Lord's power limited? You tell me. I'm certain that if we respond to God's grace and faith and faithfulness, that we will see what the Lord can do. That's what uh, Moses said, what God said to Moses. Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. Now you shall see when your hearts are turned to Him, when you make space in your life to receive the Holy Spirit of God, to, re- to follow Jesus, not just as individuals, but together as a church. Now you shall see. Friends, my prayer for each of us is that we would understand the ways that God has already been working in our lives. That we would respond to His grace with our own faithfulness, remembering God's purposes for us and not limiting God's power by our unwillingness to step forward. May we be blessed with courage and strength to live this life of surrender to Jesus. Amen. So as a way of responding to this text and anything that God has been doing in your heart throughout the service, I'd like to ask you these two questions.